School Station. In the interest of community service, Power 88 presents live talk shows to inform, enlighten, and to stimulate thought and dialogue. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the staff and management of KCEP or the EOB. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the program, or call in and participate at 647 3688. morning and welcome to Workforce Connections Strictly Business. Business news and insights on local opportunities that will help you thrive. We're glad you're here and we invite you to join us every second and fourth Monday morning at 9 o'clock right here on Power 88. I'm Juana Hart co-hosting with Cornelius Eason of Workforce Connections and actually this isn't the second or fourth Monday but we'll be here every Monday for a while. Good morning Cornelius. Good morning Juana. You know I just have to say so you want to do a live radio talk show huh? <laughs> Who knows what can happen. <laughs> exactly. Well if, if you joined us last Monday perhaps Perhaps you've uh, given some serious thought to ways in which you can make a difference for the future of your family, your neighborhood, our state, or even the nation by taking action to turn your greatest concerns about our community into public policy. That is laws that affect us in every area of life. It seemed we were just getting started with our discussion when that half hour ended last week. So today we bring you part two of a very intriguing conversation with Nevada Assemblywoman Dina Neal and Nevada System of Higher Education Regent Cedric Creer, who is also the president of Creer Creative Group. And they are both standing by here in the studio, ready to answer any questions you may have. And uh, you'll also want to stay with us for this conversation if you're looking for ideas to grow your business or your career here in Nevada and perhaps get active uh, in efforts to make sure that there are more opportunities available. Here's how you get involved. If you'd like to call in during this half hour, dial 647-3688. That's 647-3688. If you are outside of the 702 area code, be sure to include that area code 702. You can email us today or between programs at WC Strictly Biz, that's WC Strictly B-I-Z, at nvworkforceconnections.org. That's WC Strictly B-I-Z at nvworkforceconnections.org. You will find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn 
at WC Strictly Biz. That's WC Strictly Biz, and the website to visit if you would like more information about workforce and business issues in our community. NVWorkforceConnections.org. And with that said, have you ever felt so concerned about an issue in your neighborhood, your workplace, or as a business owner that you thought there ought to be a law to make things better? It's not unusual for concerns just like that to start with one single individual and then actually wind up becoming public policy. When do you know that it's time to pursue your idea, and what steps can you take to turn your ideas into law? Joining us here in the studio with part two of our discussion on public policy this morning are Cedric Creer, president of Creer Creative Group, and a regent for the Nevada System of Higher Education, and Assemblywoman Dina Neal, representing Clark County Assembly District 7. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. I would like to start. It was so much fun talking to you guys this week, and I know that you're just loaded with helpful information and, and just food for thought for everyone who's listening today. Just to do for us a, a brief recap of what it takes. If you're concerned, and I don't care if you're looking for, you think there ought to be a traffic light in your community or a new soccer field, or maybe you don't like your tax rates that you're paying. How do you get started on that journey to turn your passion, your concern, your issue into a law that you think will make life better for you and those around you? Well, you, one thing is uh, you can write a letter, you can call your uh, elected leader who's a state legislator if they make law, um, and you can also, and you let them know, okay, these are the issues that I have, and this is how it's impacting, and I think it's a widespread issue. And so you convey that to them, and then they, you know, work it out and basically say, okay, let me look at that, let me research that, and let me take consideration and see, you know, what that would look like in policy. Or maybe there is an already existing law that maybe I need to amend or work on. Assemblywoman Neil hit on it last week when she stated that you need to know who your elected officials are as well as know which issues affect each elected official. If you're talking about a street light, well, obviously that's a city issue. Um, know who your city council person is and contact their office. I think it's important to realize that the elected officials work for the people and your voice is heard. Don't be intimidated by elected officials. Say what's on your mind and speak and make sure, though, that you are well-versed, make sure that you're well-researched, and make sure that what you're talking about is going to actually potentially can happen. Uh, sometimes there's some far-fetched things out there that people talk about that realize, hey, this isn't in the best use of public policy and for the betterment of the community. So it, it probably won't happen. A lot of us look and we see you on television. We, we read your names in the newspaper. And so for many people, you seem kind of untouchable. What happens if a total stranger, uh, someone who may not make a huge living or have a great sphere of influence, picks up the phone to give you a call? What happens? You know, people always think that they don't have an influence. In the university system, it's it's ironic because students sometimes think they don't have a voice in the process, when in essence, they have the largest voice in the process. And throughout the, my five years of being on the Board of Regents, the students have stepped up through the budget crisis and really, you know, signed petitions, uh, shown up at meetings. Uh, one meeting, they, they had a huge stack of petitions that they came and sat down uh, right in the middle of, the, of, our, of our meeting. It was very impactful. And that day, their voice impacted the decision of not raising tuition on certain things that particular day. So realize that your voice is important and your voice is heard. And it really is, you talk about the group of students, it, it really is about 
starting by finding like-minded people. Because if you're really ticked off about the intersection where your kids have to run across the street mm-hmm. and fear for their lives, chances are your neighbors are feeling the same way about it. So it's it's about finding people who are like-minded. Yeah, just having the courage to speak on your issue. I mean, I know I got a letter last week, and the guy was angry. You know, I'm, I'm going to write him back. I mean, I don't have a problem. I'm like, if you have an issue, write it. I don't care. I'm like, really? I really have nothing to lose because actually you're a vote. And even if you weren't my vote or in somebody else's district, if I know the answer, it, it, it really doesn't, it doesn't affect me or move anything out of my day in order for me to give you the answer, especially if I know it. So. And by, and by the way, why, that's an unspoken goal. Well, not so unspoken, especially in an election period. A lot of people will talk about it. But, but people often who are in those decision-making legislative positions, whether you're talking federal, state, local, they're working to try to build track records that make them desirable candidates for the future in many instances. And so uh, the issue that someone calls you about really might be the next thing that you do that gets the attention and, and helps a lot of people and, and wins their appreciation and ultimately the vote as well. So well you that, know, the majority of the elected officials that I know throughout the state have great intentions. Their hearts are in the right spot. They want to do what's right for the public. Um, you, you always hear about those that have personal agendas, but I, I, I don't agree with that across the board. I think that the majority of the public officials are really, really, really in it for the right reason, to try to help and serve and to improve our society. And they need help. Public officials don't always have the answers. That's another thing is that people always think that they're always going to have the answer. And that's not the case. Um, sometimes there are things that we, we just don't see. And it's nice when someone can bring that to light and we can try to make a difference. So everyone has the potential to help to be your eyes and your ears in the community. Yes. It truly is a community. So the bottom line, know who your elected officials are. Don't be afraid to reach out to them. Where do I start if I don't know who mine are? Uh, you can always go to the legislative website. Uh, if you have Internet, you can look it up. If you can't, you don't have Internet, you can always go to the Clark County Election Department. There is one at the Government Center, um, and then there's also one on Cheyenne. Absolutely. And if you have access to um, the computer, then uh, mm-hmm. that website for Clark County is clarkcountynv.gov. Yeah, it's really clarkcountynv.gov. Like you know, and also, also remember that you can always go to any library. There's free access at any Clark County library for the Internet. Um, you know, there is usually one in your community. So make an effort. I think if you make an effort, it's going to show that you're making an effort. And that will in turn show that you're serious about your issue. One of the things that we would like to move forward with today, we, we ended on such a, a note. It just you guys gave so much meaty information toward the end of the show last week. And I think that the topic for discussion at the end really served as good illustrations for people how public policy can work on their behalf. Um, We'll start with you, Assemblywoman. You talked about, for example, the concept of economic gardening. Mm -hmm. And there are business owners in the community who may not be growing their businesses as rapidly as possible because maybe they don't have good research or they don't know how to use statistics. But because of existing sources of information in our community, there are some valuable resources there that can help them better do that work. Yes, there there are. Um, basically, you know, all I did with economic gardening was I took, I 
took inventory on what businesses were doing, whether as a CEO sometimes or as an owner, you don't have time to do to be your demographer. You don't have time to be your do your statistical analysis. So someone, if you can present it in a nice package where it's usable data, right? So I took consumer expenditure data, the most recent for Vegas. I took City of Las Vegas information because they always do a demographic profile by zip code, which I fell in love with. And it's the it's a really good tool. Henderson has it. North Las Vegas has it. And all I did was basically I took uh, expenditure data for Vegas, maybe some outside areas, and, uh, and then I combined it. And then I did a discussion. Okay, what does this look like? You know, what's the income in 89106? How many children are over there? Is it even viable for you to even think about a party business in 89106 when they only have, you know, the percentage of children is 10%. So you're really not going to get the same kind of um, advantage point if you were to choose another zip code. Or at the same point, what are your surrounding zip codes? Okay, in 891104 uh, or 89, you know, 107, they have a larger population of children. So it would be in your best interest and advantage to, if you're going to do any kind of marketing, to do a targeted marketed piece to those areas where you know specifically the income maybe is higher, it's about maybe $45,000, $70,000. They have children between the ages of uh, 8 and 12 and about 30% you know, of them. And so ideally, you want to send your market piece there. And maybe they will come to 89106 for your business, depending on what service it is that you're offering. But it was that kind of detailed information that I felt needed to be reinserted back into the conversation on what you should do, how you should operate. And if you don't have time, here is a simple way that you can get this done. And you've talked about uh, upcoming initiatives that you would like to see that would make the data not only more available, but more usable. Yes, I actually put in a bill draft. Um, I'm, you know, I don't have it actually written yet because they wait until we win our election again <laughs> before they put any time into our drafts. But I submitted it in August and I spoke with, you know, a couple of people in economic development before the transition. And so I have to redo that conversation after my election and say, OK, listen, this is what my draft was. And now, you know, this is and it fits because we had the centralized uh, well, clearinghouse for data within the plan. And I know that um, that conversation will be had, and it just has to be had with different people. Because, you know, you have to get people vested in your bill. Absolutely. And there may be people who think, yes, the state needs to take the initiative to make that data more readily available and more easily used Mm -hmm. by business owners. But there may be some who say, no, we don't really need to do that right now. And there would be opportunities for either side to express themselves in that process. What would someone need to do to have their voice heard on, on that an issue, issue like that? If there's any kind of economic development committee meetings coming up, you need to go. And you need to present it as an issue in public comment. And that's just the clear point of it. How do I know <laughs> when it's coming up? They're, they list their agenda on their website. You can always click and do uh, future meetings or live meetings. I know on economic development's page, it's actually on their page. It's not under the legislative agenda um, maybe it could even be if you don't get to that, maybe you could bring it up in an IFC meeting. I don't know if that's necessarily appropriate, but um, they deal with finance and it'll trickle back. Um, but they have a set agenda on their webpage. But how in, 
Go ahead. If I could, there's a couple things you just kind of blew, past, blew by. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. If you could help <laughs> us with some. If you could just, and these are important things that, that people need to know. Can you talk about the BDR process? What is a bill draft? How does that evolve, right? And then what happens to a bill draft as it moves on and becomes law? And the second thing you mentioned was IFC. What is oh, okay, IFC? Right? <laughs> and then a really, really important one that I, I think most people uh, aren't aware of, but is is a, um, a very valuable uh, tool for the public is the open meeting law uh, and what you know what public comment is in these sessions so there's a lot of things you just you just blew by in two minutes that a lot of people if they were armed with that information would have a lot more power okay okay uh, BDR is a bill draft request it can be done by a legislator it can be done for a constituent through a legislator um, lobbyists sometimes you know can initiate something or the actual divisions can have a bill so if you have like business and industry they can bring a bill um, so basically, the process is you submit it to legislative staff, they draft it, and then you get a chance to edit, review it, and then it's presented in committee. And what's most important is that what you're advocating for is in committee. You're not advocating post-committee. You're advocating in committee the first hearing. And that's when you need to show up and do your real, real uh, talk and push for that particular bill because you want it to leave committee. If it never leaves committee, it will never be a bill. So the interesting thing about that process, I've found, Assemblywoman, is is that uh, as a citizen legislature, right, mm-hmm. you're, a, you're a part-time legislator, and you are particularly, in your case, you're an attorney by, by training. One day. I'm not licensed <laughs> yet. But, so so but you're, not, you're not necessarily an expert on funeral homes, but you might have to vote on a regulation or a, uh, a, a law that regulates funeral homes. So how do you get educated on what the funeral home industry is like? You mean me? You or, or, or other persons that are on that committee. Well, My experience has been that that's through lobbyists. Or that's through an industry expert in, in, in uh, or someone in that industry, right? Yeah. Okay. Thank so you. so people that are in specific industries should, um, what I'm getting at is that you as part-time legislators aren't experts in all the things that you necessarily oversee. How do you get educated? How do you um, become informed about that when you have to cast a vote? Well, it happens. A lobbyist can educate you for sure. And then you as a legislator can also read on your own. Um, you get the bills beforehand. You get a list of bills that are coming through and you can read them and you can sit there and basically spend all day reading every single bill. And then and basically that's how it works. You can Literally talk to thousands. Yeah. Bills. I mean, well, we mm-hmm. had a thousand. Um, I think our committee, maybe government affairs. I was on government affairs. I think we had 300. Um, so wh- I don't know. I, all I can say is this. They educate you, you educate yourself, mm-hmm. and you and you get a grasp on what the issue is. And mm-hmm. the bill pretty much tells you uh, what it's about. Um, and then any other additional information you go and seek and find on your own. You know, Cornelius, just real quick, I want to uh, chime in on that because it's important. Elected officials need to do their research. Um, you do get a, a, a bill. In our case, you get an agenda item. And there's a lot of research. Talk to people. And, you know, I always say I always try to find the real deal and try to talk to people who are going to tell you the real deal versus by the time it gets to you, it's somewhat filtered, um, as well as um, I have a saying that it's always 80 degrees, always sunny skies, there's no clouds. By the time it gets to you, when you know that there are issues with every single thing that goes on and with any company, small or big, there are issues. And so my job is to try to find out what those issues are and make an educated decision 
based off of the research that I have. Right. And, and that's my point, that you all become informed by talking to people that are actually involved in a specific issue or an industry or regulation, that kind of thing. These are everyday folks. These aren't necessarily um, uh, highfalutin. Mm-hmm. Brain surgeons. <laughs> yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah. And so as, as an individual with my one little opinion, my, can my mm-hmm. letter be considered as part of your education about the issue? Yeah. Sure. Because I'll, I'll research what you wrote me. And, and, you know, plus, I think it, with us, sometimes there are blocks and groups of people that send you information. Uh, if we're trying to uh, cut back on the meat packing plant up in northern Nevada, yeah. um, a lot of people were writing and sending information about it. And, um, or if we're trying to do something that I personally might not be as uh, educated on, you, you, you find yourself getting educated on it pretty, pretty quick. Um, you know, I wasn't as briefed on our co-op extension that we have out throughout the state of Nevada. And spending time with the people at the co-op extension are uh, very important. Going out to the rural ranches in Lincoln mm-hmm. County That's and amazing, in Eli, right? uh, in, in, Eli in, in, in Ely and in different rural areas and seeing, physically seeing what they're doing and the positive work that they're doing. That's how you get educated. I wanted to ask you, because from from your perspective, you saw some issues that directly impact our small business community as a regent for the Nevada system of higher education. And so you started or really, I guess, activated or reactivated the the supplier chain inclusion. Right. Um, No doubt about about it. And real world experience carries over into our everyday decision making and um, in the real world for me owning a small business Crick Creative Group um, there is I think there's a lot of rhetoric about companies who say they want to do business with small companies minority owned companies women owned companies veterans and when the rubber meets the road no one's getting business out of the companies that advocate that they want these companies and so I said hey I, I, I can't do much outside of the fact that I can keep advocating for small businesses and for, and for those DBEs, but I can do something within the Nevada system of higher education. And with that, we did start the supplier chain inclusion. Um, it reaches out to, to those disadvantaged businesses. And really, if we say we're going to help you and we say we want your business, we are going to do what we say. Um, not only is it talk about those those where we spend our dollars with those companies, but also spending dollars within the state of Nevada, which I think is vitally important, as well as tier two dollars where those large companies spend their dollars and buy resources within our state. What are some of the direct changes or upgrades that have been made in that supplier chain uh, system that that if I'm a small business owner and I'm listening, I really need to open my ears and look for that opportunity that could grow my business to the next level. You know what happened is we started peeling the onion back and we realized that, okay, these minority-owned companies, where do we spend our dollars? Then we realized that we had some internal issues with our business centers north and business centers south in terms of just looking at the numbers and garnering those numbers. That's a huge step right there, just knowing who, how we spend our dollars. If you go to the websites of any institution, how to do business is, is, is there now, where you couldn't, it was embedded someplace of how to do business with, a, with say, UNLV or CSN. That makes a big difference, um, as well as instituting a policy of if you do submit your information to the institutions, that someone is going to get back with you, someone is going to follow up with you. Um, and also, who we spend our dollars with is vitally important. One good example is a food service contract with, let's say, UNLV, where a large company like Aramac, which is a national company, and it might be you know millions and millions of dollar contract, and they are 
prepared and able to handle the food services for a major institution, which is important. But we also need to hold them accountable of where they spend their dollars to service that business. And do they spend their dollars locally within the state of Nevada? Are they using minority-owned companies? And they need to come and report that to my committee, which I'm chair of the Culture Diversity Committee for the Nevada System of Higher Education. And we look at that and we're going to say, hey, this is a good company or this company needs to improve or this company isn't living up to the standards that we have set for ourselves. And And I want to add just one quick point to that because I was thinking about this the other day. When you have little fish in a big market, like, for example, there was there's a photographer that is the only African-American photographer and he has a contract with Booker, right, to do their pictures and nowhere else. And so I was thinking, okay, how does he advance? How does he grow? How does he move up? And one thing that we don't talk about enough is that when we have a viable business that is credible, that there needs to be an investment made or an outside investment made from others into that business so that they can grow. And sometimes that is the way in which a company can move forward because if they don't have the capital requirement in order to buy all of that equipment and move it a different direction, then there has to be an investment. And sometimes the investment The best way is not a loan, but it could be another business person who has additional capital who says, let me venture with you on this because I already know that there is a supply, right? There is a demand. And neither one of us are going to lose, but you're actually going to grow and I'm going to get an advantage in capital. Absolutely. And that was my next point. And by the way, we are talking right now with Cedric Creer, who is a regent for the Nevada System of Higher Education and with Assemblywoman Dina Neal. And... uh, One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is the fact that there are a lot of small business owners out there, some of them probably listening right now, who they they follow bidding opportunities. Maybe they hit the state website and maybe they hit Inchi's website or even the county or city. And the opportunities they're seeing are just so large they don't even try. What can you suggest for that company that might be able to get in under those bid ceilings. And by the way, if anyone wants to call in 647-3688, 647-3688, how can I get into those systems if I'm just a tiny guy? Well, it's interesting because in the university system, they have something called P-cards, which a department head or a professor has his car. They can pretty much buy anything up to a certain limit. We have to instill a, a culture within the Inchi system that says, look for Nevada first, one, Um, How do we spend our dollars with minority women-owned companies and create that? And we are creating that culture, and it has to be infectuated throughout the entire system. And that's vitally important because a lot of dollars are are, are purchased with those P cards. And uh, we have to keep advocating, 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 advocating. And and I myself, as a business owner of Quick Creative Group, I advocate myself. You know, I'll I'll go to the, um, you know, the LVCVA meeting and go to public comment and say, hey, we're a viable company. We like to do business with you. Um, come to the county commission meeting during public comment and say, hey, we're a viable company. We'd like to do business with you. And keep talking and keep letting people know that you are viable. And then the important thing, if you do advocate and if you do go out and say that, you need to back it up in terms of the operations and what you say you're going to deliver, you need to deliver. Right. And, and a lot of times people can start, you, you mentioned the P cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of those purchases are are. Uh, referred to as discretionary right. buys. And so if you go in under that, say, $10,000 limit where you don't have to do a formal bidding process and compete against the large guy, prove you can do that small work, then maybe you can start building the capacity to do those and, larger jobs as well. And I would say, since we're trying to 
show how you do that. Like, get their budget, right? Look at that discretionary uh, line item, right? Try to get information because it's all public. Find out, okay, what were the discretionary items that were spent in that year or have consistently been driving out? Am I in that business? Um, what other things do I need to expand or what can I do in order to be a part of that discretionary spending? Because you may, you may see it, but you don't know what that is. And so it's, it's public. Who can Ask give me that information? Directors, the assistant director, anybody that's over budget. Ask for it because it's public. So if somebody comes back and says, oh, that's not something I could share with you, you just come back and you, you can let me know. <laughs> you like that's not true, and and so the, these opportunities <laughs> with the supplier inclusion work that that you're leading, um, Cedric. It's important though for business owners who want those opportunities not only to continue to exist but to get better to engage in your process. Is it not? Without a doubt, and one of the things is uh, probably over the years before we were really active in our supplier inclusion. We probably aggravated and um, a lot of companies out there that probably tried to do business with us that did not receive the type of response that they should have received. And it's important, and hopefully people are listening, that they do come back to the system and give us another opportunity to 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 do right. Cedric, you just we said have a something caller. that I think is, is so important, you know, because there have been several attempts recently to legislate a Buy Nevada mm-hmm. um environment. Um, but I think it's more than that. It's it's not just the it's not just the legislation. It is like you said, a culture to think first to buy local Nevada because that's what's going to get this economy going no is doubt. creating demand. And so I'm so glad to hear you say that I wish more elected officials would adopt that philosophy. And it's working in favor of that smaller business. And we have a caller. Um caller, hello. What's your name and what's your zip code? My zip code is eight nine one five six and your name? My name is Vanessa. And Vanessa, what's your question today? My question is, is there a number outside of the radio station where we can contact them to get assistance? Oh, yeah. My number is 738-5870. And I'm at 702-731-0546. Career Creative. Can you say that again? 731-0546. Career Creative Group. Okay, what was her number again? 738-5870. Thank you. Thank you for calling. And that's a good note for us to end on. We really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for sharing information that can really help everyone understand how they can get more involved in shaping the future and the quality of life for them and their families here in in Southern Nevada. We've been talking to Cedric Creer and Assemblywoman Dina Neal. We want to thank you for joining us and listening in. And uh, we're out of time, but we look forward to having you back with us right here on Power 88 next Monday morning at 9 o'clock. Meanwhile, if you want to get in touch, be sure to hit us up at WCStrictlyBIZ at NVWorkforceConnections.org. Have a great weekend. Week. Hey, what's up? It's Funny Man, George Wilborn, a.k.a. The